Welcome to episode 267 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, and this week we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is music. If there was ever a year that needed a soothing soundtrack, it would be the one that we're in right now. Music has powerful healing properties, and nobody knows that better than this week's guest. Dr. Sandy Curtis is an internationally trained music therapist who specializes in working with women and children survivors of violence. She is the author of the interactive book, Music for Women Survivors of Violence, which draws upon pop culture and contemporary music to help survivors navigate their healing. This week, she's here to talk about how all of us can use music to help us through this challenging year. Sandy, welcome to Live Happy Now. Oh, thank you so much. Happy to be here. This is a wonderful topic for us to talk about because I personally feel that music is so powerful on so many levels. And I wondered when you first realized the importance of music in the healing process. Oh, gosh, seems like quite a while ago. I think (laughs) I knew of it for myself personally, but way back in the 1980s, I learned about music therapy as a profession. I had been studying music, but I wanted to connect with people more intimately and have a more profound impact in their lives. And I learned about this thing called music therapy. And once I began to explore that and study that and and read all the research. It's just amazing how powerful music is in so many aspects of our lives and certainly in healing. And can you explain what music therapy is? Because we hear that term, but we might not necessarily know what that means. Yeah, yeah. It's not unusual that people might be unfamiliar with it. And some people might think it'd be just listening by themselves to some music. But music therapy involves a trained, credentialed music therapist who has background both in music and in psychology. And so they have the skills to meet somebody, whoever it is, where they are. So most people, probably the common misconception is that it's just music listening. But it's actually making music that is even the most powerful listening is great and it's wonderful. But when we make our own music, we create our own, we sing our own songs, all of that takes us to a much deeper level of what we can do when we're talking about healing or improving quality of life. And I'd like to talk about both of those. First of all, just the benefit of playing music and being it. How do you go about that process? And I know different types of music are better for different types of people. We don't all respond the same. Yeah, there's a lot of research that shows what the power of music is, but it also shows it's very much dependent on individual preference. So it can't be just anything. For somebody, it might be country and Western. For somebody, it might be classic. So music therapy, we're there prepared to do all types of music, and it's whatever the person we're working with, what music they like, and what music means for them. That's where we start with. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, I went to a brain trauma conference in Cincinnati, and there was a gentleman who was talking about how they were really surprised because they had a teenager that came in, and they were letting people choose their own music, but they were letting them select from classical or jazz, things like this, and the teenager wanted heavy metal, and they were all thinking this was going to be disastrous for his brain, and it turned out he responded very well. Yeah, and that's really what the research shows and also what personal anecdotes show. I love some Bach, and I was trying to convince my sister she should love it too, and it would be wonderfully (laughs) relaxing. And she's like, no, no, this is stressing me out. You've got to get something different going on. (laughs) It is funny how one person, it can be very soothing, and the next person, it's like, that is on my nerves so bad. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember I was working in palliative care with a woman with life-threatening illness, and she had a lot of 
pain from the cancer. I was trying to find something for her. I brought in all these different types and there was nothing that seemed to work. And I was sort of at my wit's end. And this may be an understanding of my own music taste. I hadn't thought about bringing in country and Western. And I finally said, okay, let's try some country and Western. And I put it on into this peaceful sort of smile and on her face and her muscles relaxed. And she said, oh, that's music. <laughs> well, see, I'm in Nashville, so I can relate to that. <laughs> there you go. I've been doing a lot of music with women survivors of violence and women in general now. And so I've been using a lot of women's music. But within that music, we listen to country, we listen to rock. We listen to indie. So there's something there for everybody. The other thing important to note, it's not only individual preference overall, but it's in that moment, in that day. So what you might want to be listening to now might be very different than at the end of the day or on the weekend. So there's so much variety that's available for us. So when you're using music, is it simply a case of creating a playlist and listening to it? Or how do you benefit from music? What kind of environment do you need to create? Am I making it way too difficult? <laughs> How do you go about using music as a healing tool? Well, and it varies. So as I said, if we're doing music listening, I might bring in some music. And first, we'll start listening to it. But listening is not enough. Recorded music is different than live music. It doesn't have the, the impact. So after I might listen to it, particularly with women struggling with surviving from violence, we might listen to, you know, a strong singer-songwriter like Trisha Yearwood singing about violence. And then they can say, oh, I can see if an important performing artist can be singing about this experience. And maybe it's not my my fault. Maybe that's not the problem. But then we'll move to actually singing it. So I'll bring out my guitar or bring out my piano and then we'll sing it because that allows the individual to internalize it in sort of a cathartic experience where you feel the emotions. And as well, when you're singing the music, you're making the music yours. You know, it might be a song about loss, but when you sing it, you're thinking about your loss, not the songwriter's loss. And then we'll get to the point where we'll do some songwriting. So that's a little nerve-wracking for some. Maybe not in your neighborhood. Maybe everybody's a songwriter there. But some are still <laughs> a little shy about their, their songwriting skills. So we'll start very slowly. We might start with the lyrics and the poetry of it. But then working with the women, they'll start putting their own stories to music. And then they'll decide with me what kind of style they want, what music genre, and what kind of accompaniment. And then we'll actually record it, which is very powerful as well. When you experience violence, you've been silenced by your abuser for so long, to be able to actually give voice to your own story and then hear it recorded, it's wonderful. It creates very compelling music. And what kind of mental health benefit is there from walking through this whole cycle that you've escaped or whatever kind of trauma it is that you're working through to be able to turn it into a song, what does that do for someone mentally? It's a wonderful feeling and also of self-acceptance and self-compassion. So it's a real kind of nurturing for yourself and also to give time to spend with somebody. So it's the relationship with myself and with the woman I'm working with and through the music. So oftentimes I might start a session and think, oh, how can I reach this person who's been so traumatized, had just a horrific experience? And then I sit back and remember that it's the music that makes that connection. And as far as wellness, one of the biggest challenges for women survivors long after they've escaped and they've recovered from the physical harm is that emotional harm. So it really is a powerful tool for improving self 
self-esteem, self-worth, and self-acceptance. And after they've created this music and they've recorded it, how then is it used down the road? Like, is that something they're going to listen to frequently or occasionally and it kind of rebuilds all the, reinforces everything that you've instilled in them? Or how does that work? Yes. And they not only have it for themselves, we work in, always work in groups because women are abused. Women are so socially isolated by their abuser. So they share their music not only with themselves, but with each other. And then I still remember one woman came back to me and asked if she could have another copy. And I said, sure, what are you thinking about? And she said, you know, I've been a victim of childhood sexual abuse and it fractured my family. Half of them believed and half didn't. I want this copy and I am going to give it to my abuser and tell him people may or may not believe you, but you and I know the truth and you're going to hear the truth in this song. So that was another way of sharing it in a very different but important way for her. One reason that I wanted to talk to you right now is because obviously we have so much upheaval going on. You know, we have all this anxiety and the uncertainty with COVID-19 and that's been layered very recently now with the racial unrest that's really peaking Can you talk about how we could use music therapy as we're dealing with these themes of unrest and uncertainty? Yeah, and just because my most recent work is with women survivors of violence, I certainly work with all types of people from all walks of life. And my goodness, we are certainly facing really challenging times. We're in lockdown and then we have all this unrest. And music can be a way, sometimes you have to take a break and let music take you away for a moment. So in that way, we can just set a time up. I highly recommend a little bit of music listening to start off your day, not going to your phone right away and checking your email, (laughs) but centering yourself, grounding yourself with music. And then again, some at the end of night, because that's sometimes when your brain starts kicking in high speed and that kind of thing. So that's one way, taking the time for being with music and reflecting. But of course, there wouldn't be protests without music. And so music could be a marvelous thing. You can get yourself a real kick-ass anthem for protesting, something that motivates you, or you're seeing it in the streets. We're seeing people using music to connect with, whether it's in a protest or whether it's for the coronavirus, where people are singing to each other from balconies. So you can really do it. And that's one of the good things about music. We do make music together, but you can actually make music apart and then share and feel connected when you can't be connected because you might be under lockdown somewhere. And even having that music when you're alone, just connecting with that music can be very healing. Yes, and you're hearing somebody else singing to you and they're connecting with you. So that's an important human connection that normally we only have when we physically interact with people. Mm Mm-hmm. And also you could be sharing music. So I'm seeing people upload songs that they've written for healthcare workers to show their support and admiration. So there's so many different ways in this modern tech world that we can really share music and give a message to people through music. Yeah. And music has always been a way that I've loved to, I mean, it goes back to, come on, I'm a kid of the eighties, the mixtape, you know? (laughs) So we had to have that. It's not on a mixtape now, but we're doing it on our little cell phones and taking it with us with our earbuds. (laughs) Yeah. And how can listeners go about creating their own playlist to really set their mood? Because I know that personally, I'll use it to direct my mood. Like I'm not a morning person. I know it takes a little something extra (laughs) to get me going. And so I do. I kind of have that playlist that I play that kind of ramps me up, starts out a little slow and then builds me up to kind of 
push me into the day. So can you talk about how we can create and curate our own playlist? Yeah, and you speak very eloquently to that part of music that we can have it meet us where we are, where we may be slow and not ready to get up, and then we can gradually change it, pick up the speed and pick up the mood even. So music elicits emotions, and it also elicits a physiological response as well. You can't have it like relaxation music when you're anxious, anxious. You've got to start with something a little bit more at the rate you're at and then slow it down. Or if you want to be kicked up and being motivated for the day, you start with something slow and then gradually move up. Of course, the internet's wonderful. Sometimes when I'm just thinking in my head of a song, I can't, but now you can pop in and do a Google search for the kind of music you're wanting. And it's great. Create your own playlist and take it with you to go as you want. Is there a time frame? Like it should be at least X minutes long for it to really be effective? No, it's very, very individual. The process of matching it with where you are and then moving it along is called entrainment. So then I would suggest is just be flexible. Have like a number of songs or music. It doesn't have to be songs. It could be instrumental music at a certain level and then a number at the next level so that you can skip ahead if you feel you need to or you can take more time. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about entrainment, just because I'd love to hear more about how changing what we're listening to can change our state. Because I think we've all had that experience where we're feeling one way, and if we can put on a certain soundtrack and it will alter the way that we actually feel. We can, and it's because the music acts on our brain, on more parts of the brain than any other stimulus, but it also affects our thinking process as well as our respiration and our emotions. So it's that what gives it the powerful impact that it has. And the entrainment is you simply are matching the music, either mood and or tempo to where you are and then take it where you want to go. Sometimes you don't want to change. Sometimes I just want a good old cry and break up with a relationship. I want to pull out a playlist of all the heart-breaking songs you've got there. But then, you know, move on. There's a time for a certain amount of wallowing in your tears, but then moving on. So it's very very personal on how it impacts you. You know, you are your best expert in yourself, which is a great thing. Yeah, and there's no right or wrong. Parents might not always agree, but but there really is no right or wrong when it comes to the kind of music and how you put it together. Exactly. And parents nowadays, they don't have to worry, I guess, so much because everybody's got their little headphones. (laughs) Although sometimes, I think back when I was a teenager, I think sometimes I was playing music just to annoy people. (laughs) You might want to not miss out on that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I do want to talk about your book a little bit because it's very interactive and it gives some very specific songs. As we mentioned before, it is geared towards female survivors of violence. But can you talk a little bit about the book and how it offers specific songs and what that does for people? Yeah, and it includes songs and actually playlists by theme that does talk about violence against women, but there's empowerment songs, there's songs that talk about love and relationship, talk about self-esteem, talk about body image, because we're all, as women growing up in this world, we're all impacted. We may not have had an experience of overt violence, but we all grew up in a culture that objectifies women and that looks at our bodies and needs us to be thinner and younger all the time. So all of these things impact all women. So along with the music, then there's some readings to go along to get people thinking about it. And then 
once you start listening, you're not just thinking it. It's not that cognitive aha moment. You have this emotional, carthetic response to the music that really takes you places that the words alone wouldn't. And so there's that. And again, as I said, there's playlists with all the performing artists and all the different themes that you could possibly want to touch upon. So it really is open for all women who want to explore what it's like growing up in this culture that we have right now. And there's diverse songs, but also from diverse singers and songwriters. So because women are all impacted by it, but we're impacted by it differently, depending on where we are, who we are, where we grew up, what geographic neighborhood, what's our sexual orientation, all those things impact us as well. Yeah. And the book has all these different, as you had talked about, you have different themes for each chapter. And can you talk a little bit about your chapter that's called This One's for the Girls? Oh, okay, yeah. That's just showing all the fabulous songs that women can touch upon and that can impact women. And I've got over 200 songs there. And I say, that's great. And I thought, gosh, I've only got 200 plus songs. There's so many more out there. But I hope it's a good start. And so uh, I tried to have as much diversity there as I could. It's hard as a single writer to write and capture all voices. So I tried to let the music of other women capture everybody's voices. And what's cool about that is you could go in and just out of that list of 200 songs, create your playlist. (laughs) Because part of it is recalling like, oh my gosh, I know I love these songs. But then when you're trying to create a playlist, you don't always remember those meaningful songs. I don't know how the brain works, or maybe I'm just getting a little bit older, but it is hard to create a playlist without actually looking, oh, this would be great. And just this past week, I was already creating a playlist for protest songs. And I was like, God, oh, trying to scratch my head. And oh, there's tons out there once I started getting my Google going and searching and starting with my book. But yeah, so the list is like a list of all the songs, but then there's really playlists. So there's the songs that are listed by themes, which were, are the playlists. So if you want a feminist anthem, or if you want to, oh, life is and love is hard sometimes, they're all there for you. There's even songs about... Uh, Oh, I hate having to house clean all the time. (laughs) Nobody can relate to that. (laughs) I feel like I've been cleaning my house so much during this lockdown time. I don't know what's happening elsewise. (laughs) And, you know, one thing that struck me as I was looking at this is this would be a great thing for, say, a mother and daughter to do together, mother and child to do together to help a younger generation create a playlist with intention because even though, like I said, the mixtape growing up, throwing together songs, but I didn't necessarily realize how powerful that music could be and that it could guide me into a state that I wanted to reach. So can you talk about maybe like how a parent can work with a child to help them create this playlist? What a wonderful idea. As I said, the music connects us, so it could be a wonderful connection between uh, mother and daughter. It's interesting because we have a strong sense of what gender is, what it means to be a man and a woman, a boy and a girl, by the time we're three or four years old. So already the society is impacting us before we even are old enough to begin to challenge it and think about it. So it would be a marvelous opportunity to use this book as a jumping board and then Even when I'm working with clients, they bring in the music so the daughter could bring in her music and share with her mother, and the mother could bring in the music from her time and share, well, this was what the world was like when I was growing up, and how's that different from how you're growing up? So it would be a marvelous suggestion, a great experience. And I actually even think, although the book is 
for women. I think a lot of mothers and sons could also benefit from it greatly. Absolutely. We have to raise our sons well as well as our daughters. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many ways that they can explore this. And we certainly have more time this summer than we normally do to be able to spend together as a family. So this would be a wonderful way to do that. It would. And it adds understanding. You know, there's a certain stage in their life where the children are, we love everything their parents are doing. And then there's other stages where they're rebelling. But it might be a way to connect regardless of the stage, because that's the power of music. It expresses who you are. This is my music. And this is my experience. And as you say, we have plenty of time on our hands. Well, that's wonderful. When I come back, I'm going to tell the listeners how they can find out more about you. But as we let you go today, what is one thing that you just really hope that everybody takes away from this in terms of how they can use music? Just to know that it's very individual, but music is incredibly powerful for transforming our personal lives, but also for going out there and transforming the world. Because I think we're seeing that we need to reimagine how our lives will be and how the world might be in the future. Well said. That's terrific. Sandy, I appreciate you taking time with us today. You've got a wonderful project going with this. I'm really excited for our listeners to learn more about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next, too, in terms of how we can use our music to heal. That sounds great. That was Dr. Sandy Curtis talking about how we can use music to heal, calm anxiety, or change our mood. If you'd like to learn more about Sandy and her work, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. And a reminder to bring a little bit of happiness to your workday every day with the Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. Visit our website for a link to enable this as a skill. Then start your morning by saying, Alexa, give me my Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. That's all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.